Previously on Those Were the Days. Artsy Smurf Audie. Wear the glasses, girl. Wholesome Smurf Steven. You'll become a Smurf and alcoholic. And Beardy Smurf Travis. I really identified with Gargamel. Strumps. Is this another Hanna-Barbera unicorn? We're just going to smurf right through. It's not great for group morale, but... <laughs> These are roofy glasses, and maybe don't. Started watching this show and thought I dropped acid. And this was actually commentary on the uh, on the tensions between French and Dutch-speaking people in Belgium. Those Were the Days is filmed before a live internet audience. Hello and welcome to Those Were the Days, the show where we look at classic TV through a modern lens with nostalgic eyes. For the next four episodes, we're exploring the vast landscape of science fiction TV. Tonight, we board our Leviathan and race across the galaxy, evading the peacekeepers, going on some frelling adventures, and making sure we don't end up in Hezmana. And while I'm your pilot for this particular episode, Travis, I need a crew to help me out. So joining me, we have Dominar Audi. So science fiction has given us all kinds of solutions to how do they eat in the future slash on alien planets. In Star Trek, they just have replicators for all the different aliens that exist. In Galaxy Quest, they have replicators for all the different not-real aliens they think exist. In Star Wars, you've got rehydrating bread-type stuff. In He-Man, they were surprised that meat came on bones. Deep cut. So what kind of food do we find on this show? Well, it seems like Chinese takeout and... Oh, oh, that's never food. All kinds of puffy, poofy, super ridiculously colored never food. Does that mean Neverland, second star to the right and straight on till morning, is actually an alien world? Cool. <laughs> also, we, we have with us the Earthman with no idea what the Dren is going on, Stephen. Well, we have a theme. Here we go. For an appetizer, <laughs> I tried to make pigs in a blanket, but I didn't have wieners, so I just rolled a potato in cookie dough. Uh, the entree is spaghetti and meatballs, but without meat or sauce, I just use ground-up boot leather and ketchup. Uh, for dessert is a lemon meringue pie, but I didn't have lemons or eggs, so I just took a packet of tang and sprinkled it over some whipped cream. Time to belly up to the bar, folks. <laughs> and, of course, our resident Pau, Amy. I have to like completely change my intro now because it was also about puffy rice noodles and Australian licorice treats. <laughs> so when you're flying on a spaceship with an assortment of weird aliens, a lot of things are going to go wrong. But don't worry, a white man is here. <laughs> Hang it up. I'm done. I quit. It's over. <laughs> so tonight we're talking about Farscape, which was a show... Uh, that ran from 1999 to 2003. Uh, in the U.S., it was on Sci-Fi Channels, on BBC Two or something in the U.K. It's an Australian production. The show was created by uh, creator Rockney S. O'Bannon. He's actually known for a couple of other series that you may, might have heard of before. Um, he created Alien Nation back in the 80s. Ooh. He also uh, created Sequest DSV, Ooh. along with uh, eventually creating this Defiance uh, he got his start writing uh, and selling some spec scripts for Amazing Stories on a on NBC. Um, he wrote 
all sorts of stuff. He was a, a, an executive producer on uh, the Constantine series that ran a few years ago, um, stuff like that. So he's been around for a while, done a lot of science fiction, fantasy stuff. And he had this idea um, to make this show. He, he came up with it in the early to mid-90s, him and, uh, and Henson, Brian Henson. And they wanted to make it, and they were going to call it Space Chase. And eventually they finally got money to make the show, and they put their pilot out in 1999. And we got Farscape. And Farscape is the story of American, very American, uh, John Crichton, who is a test pilot. And he, is, he takes his capsule, the Farscape 1, up for a test flight, gets sucked through a wormhole, and ends up on the other side of the galaxy, where he runs into a ragtag group of wrongfully imprisoned uh, characters who are fleeing the authoritarian government there called the Peacekeepers on a living ship a leviathan called Moya. He gets, he ends up on the ship and hilarity ensues. They go on all sorts of crazy adventures. It has a lot of serialized storytelling, a lot of bottle episodes that eventually as the series went on, it became more and more this kind of overarching mythology. Um, It ran for four seasons and then one uh, two night um, made for TV movie called Farscape the Peacekeeper Wars to kind of try and tie it up because they got canceled during their fourth season sort of abruptly. Um, but it's uh, creature effects were done by the Jim Henson uh, Creature Shop, and there's all sorts of puppets on here. The, the one that for me was the most impressive is Pilot, uh, oh, which yeah. is the so- symbiotic. He, so, real quick, Pilot was the symbiotic. Uh, he's symbiotically like, uh, linked with Moya, and that puppet took six puppeteers to do is a big four-armed creature a giant puppet yeah and it's huge mm-hmm. if you watched the now gone from disney because they're villains um <laughs> earth to ned you can mm-hmm. see ned's dna very much in pilot mm-hmm. i was like okay all right that is like pilot walked so ned could run i see this ned's not quite so giant but yeah pilot yeah. was like eight feet tall i think huge. something like that um crazy sets the show was very colorful very bright we're kind of getting we're going to get into some of that but first i want to know from the three of you if you have any history with this show at all i'm going to start with audi yeah i remember watching it sometimes it's one of those shows that i never got sucked into but there were times when it was on and i was like yeah i'll watch um and i think i mean i think i knew some of the story and plot and details and stuff enough that like watching this again it felt like Oh, this is a little comfortable blanket putting this on again. Um, so, and gosh, I just got to say, I, the one thing I love about this show is that we've got the puppets going on, but it is, they are absolutely treated as seriously as any other character. Like That's the mm-hmm. one thing I appreciate yeah. about this show so much. Yeah. Amy, how about that's you? That's that Henson DNA in there. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Amy, uh, did you have any connection to Farscape prior to no, for me forcing no, you to watch this? This? Is, this is my first time. Okay. Zero. I mean, so I was trying to think back, right? Like, I was looking at it. And so this would have been, like, when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just, like, missed it entirely. You know? I mean, it just didn't. It just never. It was never. It, it never made it. It also had. It was plagued by some erratic scheduling by Sci-Fi Channel. They would move sure. it uh, sometimes, or they would have these big gaps. There would be like four months between during a season between episodes. Sure. Not like 
they wouldn't end season one and start season two three months later. They would be four episodes from the end of season two, and then it would be three month, three and a half months later they'd pick it back up for some reason. It was very odd the way they did that, but yeah, I could see that. Stephen, how about you? Had you heard of this show? Did you know anything about it prior to? Uh... I had not, Travis. Um, actually, I did. I'd heard. I'd heard of the show. I'm aware of the name. Yeah. If I was hearing see people talking at a restaurant behind me and they said Farscape, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's that show on TV. Now, I didn't know anything about it. So I'm <laughs> going to share with you something real quick because mm-hmm. I did text Ashley about it, okay. uh, who if friends of the show may know her as, uh, as Smashy from Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. And I figured she watched it because she is like sci-fi channel all day. True. And I said, hey, do you remember Farscape? And she lost her mind. <laughs> yes. Tons of exclamation points. And she said, it's so cheesy, I loved it. And then this is what I had to go on is what I was about to watch. It's a very alpha dude that kind of mellows out because he meets a very alpha chick, two lunatic chicks, a megalomaniac puppet, and the coolest beard in the galaxy, and a living spaceship that has a symbiotic parasite as a pilot. It's also the first time I ever heard the word peacekeeper in a pejorative term. OMG, it's so good. So that's that was the description I had to go off of. That's pretty. That's much actually it was great. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, that <laughs> that fits a lot on. of it. Yeah. Uh, so the you know I mentioned that Rockney S. O'Bannon created the show. So the show starred Ben Browder as John Crichton, who is the most American of Americans. Um, this was the first thing I remember Ben Browder ever seeing him in. Uh, he's since we we went on to do uh, some of the final seasons of Stargate SG One. Um, and he pops up here and there and stuff. I see him every once in a while, and I just I always like seeing him because I have the connection to this show. So I'm like, hey, it's the dude that played Crichton. Um, he is very much that's a an apt description. He is very alpha male, especially at the start of the show. We were we watched an episode during season one. Um, he does mellow out as the series goes on, uh, but he he is obsessed with getting back. He wants to get back home. That's that's basically his motivation throughout the entire thing. And when he got sucked through the wormhole in the pilot episode, he got spit out and there was like a dog fight going on and he, he bounced off of another ship and accidentally killed the pilot of that ship who just so happened to be like a, a general's brother. And so a lot of the first season's tension was the peacekeeper general um, who's uh, actually played by Lanny John Tupu who did the voice of pilot as well. He just has this like blood vendetta against Crichton and will follow him to the end of the galaxy. And that was pretty much the plot of season one. Um, but Ben Browder, Claudia Black, he was the he was the lone American on basically the cast. Everyone else came from kind of Australia, New Zealand. Um, and the more episodes you watch, the more obvious that gets because all <laughs> of the side characters have Aussie and Kiwi accents. Um, well, sci-fi basically operated in Australia and New kind Zealand of, yeah. There yeah. all the time. That was like the CW in Vancouver, yeah. sci-fi mm-hmm. New Zealand. That's yep. just what happens. Yeah. Um, Claudia Black played a character named Aaron Soon. Uh, she is a peacekeeper. The peacekeepers are this like authoritarian government in this part of the galaxy. And a lot of them are... Um, they look human, but the race is called Sebation. And it was a easy, obviously it's a budget way to, to have aliens because they're not humans. And there are plot points, there are stories that base around how they're different from John. But oh. John looks like them. So especially early on, anybody they run into, they assume John is a peacekeeper and the peacekeepers are the bad guys. Um, 
I also love it, we didn't see it in this episode, but the peacekeepers wear like all leather, like their whole uniforms yeah. are leather, and they had to ADR everything involving them because <laughs> the onset audio is just leather. The, yeah, the onset the audio is just the squeaking of leather constantly. Just set, there's some anybody in the cast got some saddle soap. I mean, really, <laughs> my elbows are squeaking. Uh, we also met Ka Dargo. Uh, played by Anthony Simcoe. He was the tall one with the kind of dreadlock-looking things and the really Triangle interesting beard. Triangle nose or whatever. Triangle nose. Mm, um, okay. He's a, he's, that guy is tall. He's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, just big imposing figure. He is probably my favorite character, and I love the fact that Audie for our episode art drew me as him because <laughs> I love Dargo. He is very much Farscape's version of like a Klingon. But as the series goes on, you learn so much more about him, and uh, they're all criminals when they when he meets them. And he did what he was uh, imprisoned for, but it was because of like it had to do with him losing his wife and his son. Then we find we meet his son later, um, and he's got a really awesome sword that also doubles as a rifle, which is mm-hmm. a thing I had never seen before. He has a sword, but then he can like flip a handle, and the the blade splits, and it's a rifle. It's the it's just awesome. a cool looking thing because why yeah. not? Um, we also I had would like one. The actor that you might know uh, if you've ever seen um, Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior, Virginia Hay is in that. She's also a very well known Australian actor. She played Pau Zota Zan. She's the blue one, um, and her race are plant based, so she All is right. a living plant. Uh, which yeah. had some very fun episodes where they would get close to stars and she would go and lay out uh, in the sun decks. <laughs> photosynthesis. It was it photosynthesis. Works the same but everywhere. It was, it was orgasmic for her. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. She very much enjoyed getting out in the sun. She enjoyed the sun. Maybe but that's the is, way plants feel all the time. Who are we to know? Yeah. We, we don't know. And she is a pa'u, which is a kind of a priest sort of thing. And they, they, they made a lot of. Um, uh, plots around that for a little while too, and then uh, Moya is the ship, um, and Moya yeah, is. Yeah, that took me like a long time. To oh put yeah, together. <laughs> I had I to did, figure that out. So I did drop you midway into the show, and there, this show is dense. So mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. expect that you would k- kind of grasp everything. I more or less it was just this was a baptism by fire. Um, we belly flopped into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> yes, Travis. Uh, but Moya is a living biomechanical ship. And at this point in the series, she's also pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. But she was, uh, the peacekeepers had put a restraining collar on her so that she couldn't like run away. And they're faster than light travel in this show is what's called Starburst, um, which Leviathans can do. Uh, but because of her being pregnant and her power reserves being low, we get the plot of this episode. I'll get to that. Um, because Starburst has very specific things it can do Um, this is the weirdest thing i've ever heard in my life also like i'm in a ship and then it's pregnant and its name is bora and i'm just like what is going on at this point in the show i don't even understand what i'm watching anymore (laughs) and i'm i'm struggling it's it's part of why the show only lasted four seasons because it is yeah really if you got into you're not getting in yeah like if you more is impressive good luck 
Have a good yes. one. <laughs> but it, but if you get into it, it's really great sci-fi, and it's a lot of fun. But it's very dense, and it's hard to get into. Um, I have yeah. to mention though, Dominar- there are people who like the dark dark crystal, and there are people who don't like the dark crystal. And I feel like this is the same. It's like yeah. subsets. You know, you're gonna like that's real weird, but I'm digging it. Versus that's real weird, and I what else is on? You got those two <laughs> categories. Yeah. Um, the the Muppets or puppets that they had were Pilot and Dominar Rigel the Sixteenth, who's the little guy, and he's uh, he's cute. He's, cute mm-hmm. he's obnoxious. He's very full of himself, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. Um, also, a fun little trivia fact for him: his species, when they get nervous, they fart helium. So that was a uh, that was a fun episode when they just you. all yeah you know. Because why not? Yeah. Also, when you get a chance, look up his uh, voice actor on IMDb, and you'll see he has the same eyebrows. It's like yeah, no, they modeled the <laughs> eyebrows after the voice actor. Uh, not even oh, that's good. not even a joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> this particular episode, we we started out with the whole crew is sitting in the mess hall eating, and they're all complaining because leading up to this, Moya has become pregnant and she can't starburst, so she can't. Basically, she can't run, and if the peacekeepers show up, they're going to get captured. And none of them want that, because the peacekeepers want Crichton dead, and they want all the prisoners back. So they're all talking about leaving Moya. And uh, Pilot, of course, can hear all this, because he has little, um, they're called DRDs, they're diagnostic robots, robotic droids. And they're just little, little RC cars with antennas on them that wander around. Uh, but they are kind of the nerves of Moya, and they gather information. And so they're overhearing the conversation. Pilot pops up. And Moya, the thing with it being a living ship is that uh, the ship is a character. So Moya, the the Leviathan creatures, they want to have a crew, and they want to serve that crew. That's just how they're... That's in their DNA. And the pilots are symbiotes with them so they're sort of the mouthpiece for moya that's why if you noticed in the episode pilot always refers to itself as we because yeah. it's mm-hmm. pilot and moya so moya is very upset that her crew wants to leave because they are a family especially at this point we they've gone through a lot so she wants to prove that she can still do it and goes to jump into starburst which think of starburst kind of like um the idea in Event Horizon of sort of folding space and kind of going in the traveling through the space between space. Sure. That's what Starburst mm-hmm. is like. So what ends up happening here in this episode is she doesn't have the power to do it properly and gets stuck, which has never happened before. So in this, it splits into four distinct looking things. And this was, I think, where I lost Amy. Um, <laughs> worst it was the worst it was hard travis it was travis is the worst oh my gosh well i think i still have my barf bag over here with me uh because it was i watched it with headphones and i've never been more like welcome to tonight's simulator um yeah yes yes now i will say i'm not gonna lie guys i skipped a lot of it i did a lot Uh of i did a lot of forwarding Okay, I got to put my foot down and say I was with it. I love this. Like I was all about it. I was like, oh, okay. Especially having the different ships, different colors. I was like, oh, I get this. 
from a conceptual standpoint, it's a cool idea to have like this weird inner space and the ship got broken up into these base elements mm-hmm. and they all have a different effect on everybody. Um, but I can understand it being difficult to watch and kind of experience. The show itself didn't do this kind of thing like that to that level a lot at all. There, th- that doesn't happen a ton. Um, it felt like but... it felt like a Star Trek plot that just went off the rails. The like <laughs> the like oh we're caught in a, like I mean we did that in Star Trek all the time. We're caught in a wormhole. We're caught in a weird entity. We're caught in some gravity thing. We're ca- like we do this a lot. Yeah. And then they mm-hmm. were like. Oh, but reality has been ripped asunder. Um, oh, you're not affected by the blue noise. Well, you, then you should stay here. No, I don't want to stay here. Oh, now I'm screaming because the yellow place is bad. Well, then yeah, you should have stayed in so, the blue place. And 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 or the red were place. You, that's what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. were you watching the series up until this point? You'd know that that is who her character is. That's the character of Chiana, and she came along partway into the season, and. Her whole thing was she is rebellious and doesn't do what anyone ever tells her to do. So, yeah, well, in she fact, paid for it. So. Oh yeah, no, mm-hmm. she pays for it a lot. Trust mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it's okay, basically, because it, there's a white man here. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. They need to figure out what the hell is going on, and they they eventually do. Um, and there's a creature that's also trying to like claw its way into the ship. Right. Some sort of entity. Yeah, yeah. So that was fine. I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. Right up until he goes, "Wait, it's prime numbers. It's not trying to hurt us. It's trying to communicate." Like, okay, but like, what it could be communicating is, "I'm going to kill you." Like, that is also communication. And what are you doing? Well, if you caught his dialogue there at one point, though, they're stuck. They're not going anywhere. And Zan says something to the effect of, "Like, well." What happens if you're wrong? And he goes, then I die a few minutes before you do. Like, yeah, I can't really mm-hmm. do it. Like, this is yeah, the best option. He was in just a... so certain. No, no, mm-hmm. this is prime numbers, and they're trying to communicate, and this is perfect. Yeah. Like, it, it, it... that is that is his character in that he is very certain about a lot of things, and usually wrong and proven wrong. So for him to be right in this instance was something of an outlier. <laughs> um. But he eventually figures out that uh, they're stuck, and while they're trying to back out, um, the the entity within this realm, which was a very trippy uh, sequence, that again low budget. Like how do you how do you show something like that with no budget? Yeah, uh, you do what they did in the episode. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it tells them no, go forward, and so they do, and they get out, and everything is restored, and now they're all happy again. It's a very mm-hmm. like you and didn't miss much eating. in the way of. Story, We're back to eating Amy. puppy noodles and yep, mm-hmm. and never food. It did. It did feel like there were there was forty five minutes they had to fill, and they had a good ten minutes of chatting at the table, which was fun. The whole comment about how long was it under your butt getting delicate made me yeah. laugh out loud. Like yeah. honestly, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. But then, like the minute we hit warp speed, and they do this like effect where a thing happens, and then overlaid on top of that, the thing happens again. Yeah, nothing will wreck me. <laughs> more than that kind of thing delayed audio and video where it does that i was just like i oh, thank god i'm not in a theater or something watching the this part, i would the part for me was um like i was like it, the part for me was like so after he talks to the entity and it's oh no we've got to go forward and i was like 
oh god now he's gonna go through all of them again and i can't <laughs> i can't do it again i can't he's just gonna go through them all again Oh, hey, no. this is this is my notes from the show. I'm just gonna share them as I, as I wrote them down. I wrote the audio department's working really hard on this one. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm gonna throw up a lot, mm-hmm. throwing up, <laughs> nauseated. Mm-hmm. And then the thing about Mippa Pippi. Oh yeah, I was happy. that was great. <laughs> so one of one of the things that makes this show a lot of fun is the language involved in it. Um, every sci-fi show has to have some form of universal translator, right? They, sure. And it's usually like Star yeah. Trek has theirs, but occasionally it doesn't work. This show had in the pilot episode, he gets onto the ship and he can't understand any of them. Like yeah. Dargo is screaming in, in his language and they're all yelling in these different languages and he has no clue what's going on. And then one of the DRDs comes up and just pokes him in the leg. And <laughs> within 30 seconds, he can understand them. It's translator microbes, which in this part of the galaxy, everyone is injected with at birth. So they can all just oh. understand each other. And I, I've always loved that as just, we're just going to hand wave away the whole language barrier thing right away and mm-hmm. never have it be a problem again. Yeah. How does that work? Though? What language you, do you develop when you're injected with understanding all languages at birth? What, is that, what does that become? I if everything know. sounds... Huh. I was like, what does that do? It's I guess you hear everything in your language. Basically. Which would be the primary... But how do you know what your language is when you can understand all? Oh my gosh! It's, it's the Babelfish it, all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like, like, oh my space languages. Like, do you just know a language and do per species? And then it's like, oh, you're a Florlidian, so you're gonna understand Florlidalese. I don't, I don't know. I'm. <laughs> that is a universal translator thing. Just makes into that question. But the also, universal yeah, translator yeah. thing just makes everybody go. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. And they just all know. Mm-hmm. They're just trading thoughts, don't know it. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh but what's gosh. what's great about it though is that it also does a thing that I really liked that um was a joke or a line in Star Trek uh for the Voyage Home, which is the translator microbes give you the words, but not necessarily the context. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so John uses a lot of American slang. And pop culture references, that's part of how they wrote his character. And some of the content of the show is the fact that nobody knows what the hell he's talking about. The Mipipipi being one of them. <laughs> so he says that, and that's what Dargo hears, and that's how he translates it. So he has, like, nicknames for everybody. He calls Rigel Sparky. He calls Chiana Pip. And these are all names for him. And they just run with it because they don't, they don't know. They don't know if it's a, mm. a friendly thing or an insult or what. And it also, the show used stand-ins for swearing so that they Mm. could have things like Frel was used. This was before, um, because I remember everybody would say fracking everything after Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar. I hated it so much. Frel was was before that, or (laughs) Dren. And what it allowed them to do was it allowed them to have dialogue. Goram was one from Firefly. Mm Mm-hmm. Or they just um, use Chinese. Gosh, I hate it. And so, and then, uh, yeah, in Firefly, it was just Mandarin Chinese a lot <laughs> for all their swearing. Um, but that was another thing that this show did. But I liked the I liked the language barrier of like him talking about stuff and nobody knew, nobody getting his references, but he would just go with them anyway. He just kept using mm-hmm. them. Uh, but they also had their own uh, you know time system, so. You sort of heard it in this episode where they talk about Arns and Microts mm-hmm. 
And those were just stand-ins for minutes, seconds, hours. Um, cycles were years. There's, there's almost a national lampoon level of humor going on, you know? Like, instead of Pepsi, we called it Poopsie. And instead, you know what I mean? Like, and I, that's one side of the humor I just, I'm like, this, why are, what are we doing? Come on. But it in this just... case, it, I think what the reasoning behind it wasn't so much for humor. It was just to make it a little bit, they didn't want to be Star Trek. And they didn't want, there was, it didn't make sense to have everybody using colloquialisms that would make sense to Americans. So let's kind of create our own slang in here and then drop an American yeah. inside of that mm-hmm. where he can under, he hears the words, but he doesn't maybe doesn't know what they mean right away. And he has to be taught that. And, and also See, to is, just set itself apart from other shows. And that's all well and good, but I wonder like, is it a requirement of sci-fi to just try your best to take everything you could grab onto and just mix and make it, it's the same thing and we all know it, but we're going to call it something different. And like, to, to me, it's off-putting more mm-hmm. than it's like, it doesn't create a world for me. It just makes me go, it's just, it's seconds. No one watching this TV show gives a flip. They're not going to think about it for more than two seconds that you're saying seconds instead of Microt or Wicrons or Arbalobs or whatever you're going to make up. Mm-hmm. Like, it distracts me yeah. more than it actually helps. I'm dropped out of the world by having to understand the nonsensical stuff that they so, made up. Because I know it's a TV show. It's not a historical document. It's not was, Galaxy Quest. There was a great riff on that in Stargate SG-1 because, as I mentioned, Ben Browder became a cast member of that, and so did Claudia Black. The two of them were on Stargate SG-1, and there was an episode of that show where all of the members of the Stargate crew were pitching their own show ideas to a producer. And at one point, they pitched an idea for the show, and they, every time they would do that... They would do like the flash of, you know, showing the show as they're describing it. And so they did this like, you know, fake version of Farscape. And it was literally just 30 seconds of all sorts of random words. And then it cuts back and they're like, (laughs) I don't even know what you were just saying there. I don't think anyone's going to get it. And they just move (laughs) on. So they were they were ripping on their own show. It's something that I enjoyed about the show because at the time, all of the sci-fi that I was seeing was very similar. It was, yeah, it, it was a lot because everything was was born out of Star Trek. Star Trek was, had had been such a big thing, and we had by this point original series TNG, uh, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. Plus, Babylon Five was um, not the same as Star Trek, but it was still kind of Star Trek adjacent. Mm-hmm. And this was so different and colorful and the Muppets uh, aspect of it and having those puppets because they did those two were the main ones Rigel and Pilot but a lot of the alien species were either crazy makeup or puppets Um, and they had some pretty pretty good ones Mm -hmm. Um, from a visual standpoint nothing looked like Farscape at the time after Farscape there were a couple other shows like Lex and things that came along Um. But it was just really cool to see things like, you know, a character that is completely blue and everything they wear is blue. And, like, just going with that color and having that stand out amongst other things in the show, I really enjoyed. I really liked the the, the Muppets and everything, and I, I wasn't sure 
I was just like, these are high quality. And then at the end when I saw produced by Brian Henson, I was like, that's yeah. why they're so good. Mm-hmm. I see now. And I think Brian Henson even directed the movie, the um, Peacekeeper. Yeah, he, um, yeah. he, he basically secured the rights so that they could do the movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, this was a major influence on James Gunn um, with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He took yeah. some influence that. from that. And you can kind of you can see that feel to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the, the, the Protheans from Mass Effect look exactly like Pilot. Like, I noticed that right out of the gate. Like, mm-hmm. you ever played Mass Effect? And I yeah. was like, that's the same head. They just use the same idea. It, it's so weird. It's, this it's is, definitely influenced things. Yeah, this is a oh, show yeah. that I feel like I mention it to people and a solid 70% of people I mentioned Farscape 2 just look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. But then you see or feel that influence in a lot of places. So it definitely had an audience that was very passionate for it. It's sort of, um, I know when it leaked online that the show was getting canceled in 2003 and uh, midway through the season, they mentioned it. It's not getting picked up and this is going to end it. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately there was a fan like uh, petition to keep the show going. And they wanted kind of like what happened with uh, Firefly and the brown coats. Mm-hmm. Very similar thing um, just a couple of years earlier. Or right, I guess right around the same time. A lot of shows mm-hmm. came, came and went in 2003, I noticed. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's the we, end of an era, so to speak. Yeah, we a lot didn't, of sci-fi just... We didn't see a couple of characters that I really like. There's a character in this named Scorpius who becomes kind of the big bad. He is a very weird-looking character. He's got some, like... Whoever designed him definitely was into some S&M. There's yeah. a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of strappy leather stuff. But they had him as a character and then a uh, a projection that was sent into Crichton's brain to like get information that is a separate character um, from the actual Scorpius. Same, same actor, same look and everything. But he becomes Harvey because John names him Harvey. And so he shows up in John's brain a lot. And John's the only one that can see him. So he oh, hallucinates. Oh, so the great kazoo. Oh, so like Harvey. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very much like that. But that's why he named him Harvey because he's the only one that can see him. And he's a he's got a slightly different he's got a different personality from the actual Scorpius, which is a character that I very much liked was Harvey, because the show got even weirder with him around. If you can imagine that, <laughs> I can't, Travis. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> um, you know, it is. It's a show that, like I said, it's very dense. It's hard to get into. If you do get into it, it's a lot of fun because it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it still tries to tell some decent stories, and it's all centered around this crew on the ship and how they get along, and mm-hmm. they become or they very much along. are a family. Yeah. So they bicker like family, but they also have each other's back. That's one of the things I liked about this particular episode was, um. You know, none of them wanted anything bad to happen to Moya and her baby, regardless of what was going on. Right. And that was a big thing. Like, they immediately were like, that, that moment where John is in uh, Pilot's chamber with him, where you actually get to f- the scale of Pilot and how big he mm-hmm. is. But John just being like, no, look, we should have, you know, we should have been better about kind of how we were feeling about things and talking to you guys about it. And I just like, like that's the kind of thing that, drew me like I got drawn into the show by the just weird look and the just chaotic 
energy. But then as I watched it more and more, it was characters that I started to care about because they actually wrote them pretty well. Mm-hmm. They have arcs and they have flaws, but they're also like inherently decent people to each other, even if there's times where they can't stand each other. Mm-hmm. So it felt very real in that way. Um, it sounds like, if I had to venture a guess, I'm going to say at least two-thirds of you don't ever want to watch another episode of Farscape. <laughs> that's, not, that's not entirely true. This episode was rough because of what happened in it. Like yeah. I, I'm not anti any of the weirdness. I might, I might be fussy about the time <laughs> thing and the weird words. But that's yeah. not going to stop me from enjoying a show. Like, I'm really into stuff like this for characters. Like you were saying, this is what it's about. It's about mm-hmm. the characters. And I'm not put off by the rest of it. It was just I felt like I had eaten bad mushrooms in a forest and sat down <laughs> to watch TV. <laughs> that's not the experience I wanted when I sat down to watch the show today. So mm-hmm. I would be happy to go back, skip season one, episode 17, and just keep moving and I might have a great time. It's I, I, I definitely there's a there's a part of me that really wants to love this kind of stuff. And this like it's going to be a little difficult for me in Sci-Fi Month. Like I gotta I gotta really tweak because I'm not a big sci-fi deep sci-fi fan. Sure. Like what we're doing here, what this show is, this is like somebody who's only ever watched NBC sitcoms going to watch Lord of the Rings. It's just gonna <laughs> melt their brain. Like, it's deep fantasy, right? Like, yeah. the fact that that's even yeah. remotely successful is an achievement. You know, so this kind of stuff is just deep sci-fi. So it's a little harder for me to wrap my brain around. But all, all in all, I'm not. I, I'm a bigger... I like it more than maybe um, you would think I, I, I do based on this episode. You know what I mean? And definitely, I mean, I, I, I certainly grabbed one of the more difficult episodes. And I, yes, as, you did. As I thought about it tonight... <laughs> Leading up to the show, I realized, you know, I probably could have picked a better, like, more accessible episode. But I picked this one because it was a bottle episode and it was self-contained on the ship. I didn't want it to get too much into, like, the lore and planets and stuff because it's already dense enough if you start adding in more characters. Like, it's enough to have just this ragtag group of half a dozen characters. you got to try and figure out what the hell they're saying half the time. But, um... I mean that that's good to know. And and if you do, like start at the beginning, give it a few episodes. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't hook you, you know, no harm, no foul. But mm-hmm. if you make it if you make it as far as episode seventeen and skip that one, then you're probably in for a little while because they really do hook you and they get you into some some interesting stuff. And again, it's it's fun sci fi. You know, when I was watching it at the time, it was for me I had I love Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. But by the time Farscape came around, I'm like, oh, this is so refreshingly different. Because it's just so completely bonkers. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, how about you? Do, you? do you think you would watch any more of this? Skipping this episode. No, I... I mean, you've got a Henson involved. And so I'm there. And then also, like, the concept of the Leviathan ship is actually super interesting to me uh if if you are into that idea and you have not read jf dubo's first novel life engineered that he doesn't talk about anymore but that secretly i like best of all of them um you should because they're it's not the same but there are threads of similar concepts 
Um, and like, so like, I like that part of it was interesting to me and there's puppets and I love puppets and I just wanted it to be better. It does get better because John, while he is a dumb macho American, he gets put in his place a lot. And Aaron, especially, um, the two of them have a relationship. They do kind of from the start. He's sort of like smitten with her right away, but they, they become very close. But she is, the peacekeepers are kind of almost bred for war type uh, things, but she sure. is, you know, the more time she spends away from the peacekeepers, the more kind of humanity that she gets and sort of breaks yeah. away from that like regimented part of it. And she balances him out really well. Um, plus he gets himself into a lot of really terrible situations because he's just an idiot and the show isn't shy in telling you that. So, um, I think that overall I, he becomes much more, he, he's much more palatable than like a single episode is going to, going to give you. Sure. Um, I like, I love the, the living shit part of things too. The Leviathan, the idea Mm -hmm. of that. Um, I actually, my first car was named Moya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of this show. Nice. It's it's really cool the way they do things because Moya being a living biomechanical ship, she becomes pregnant. When she gives birth to her child, her child is a uh was an experiment by the peacekeepers. So her child becomes uh a ship that has built-in weapons because the peacekeepers were trying something with her. So there's a whole big like plot that revolves around that and whether or not it should have happened and what they do with that. And it's really, it's interesting because they like, it's, it's a Leviathan, but not like Moya. So they, they, ex- huh. they explored some other kind of neat, interesting things there too. Um, but it's a, uh, yeah. Uh, how about you, Audie? Would you watch any more? Uh, any oh yeah. This? Like I said, I, I've watched some of it before. This makes me want to, it makes me want to watch the series, even though there's no way I'm going to get to it because I don't have time to try and squeeze in something <laughs> else to watch like this. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely with you. I'm on board for this kind of sci-fi all the way. Like, I love this episode. I loved what they did. I loved all the ways they handled it, even with the the budget that they had. I thought it was really neat, the ideas they pulled off. Especially, like, how do you make it seem like this ship is getting eaten, cut off? And it's like, oh, we'll just put a bright light at this tunnel. Okay. You know, yeah, simple you little tricks like that. that. There's a lot of that, because the budget was not very big for this show. And in... Mm-hmm. You can tell that in a lot of episodes, but there's a charm to that for me, too. Because I like high-concept sci-fi. And uh, I'm okay loved... with the budget there being less mm-hmm. and spending it on the Henson puppets that yes. just feel so yes. real and Spend they're treated so puppets. real. Yeah, there's a lot of great behind-the-scenes shots of everybody with Pilot, and uh, and I always love that. Again, six puppeteers to, to puppeteer that uh, that thing was pretty impressive yeah. and then that's a voice actor on top of that yeah mm-hmm. uh, but uh i mean that's farscape it's like i said this episode the plot is very simple it's basically they get stuck they got to figure out their way out of it they have other episodes that uh have more com the the plots got more complex as it kind of went along because they started developing a lot of mythology around wormholes and the wormhole technology and just stuff uh sci-fi stuff that happens um but uh at its heart it's basically just john wants to go home 
and he can't figure out how to go home. And eventually he learns that this is now his home and he, oh, he wants yeah, his family that's and all beautiful. of that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really fun show as long as you can kind of, you know, break through the, the outer crust and get into it a little bit. Uh, that's the, that's the hardest part. And I think that's why it only made four seasons. You said, you know, kind of four seasons is pretty impressive uh, for a cable show. It, it's at, at the time it, it was, it did pretty well. Um, but you know, it could have lasted longer. I think if it was more accessible because definitely if you didn't start mm-hmm. off with Farscape by season three, you're just like, you think this was confusing? Ooh, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> it gets, it gets so much worse. It's like um, a soap opera on steroids. You can't kind just jump of, yeah. in. You're just like, mm-hmm. it's too much. It's very much a space-based soap opera in a lot of ways. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of characters come and go. Uh, you have your, kind of your, your core characters, but then some will come along and be on the ship for a few episodes, and then they leave. And like some of them come back, and some of them are just sort of you never hear about them again. They're just gone mm-hmm. in some, some other part of the galaxy. So, But that's Farscape. That's kind of kicking off our sci-fi month. Um, a month of science fiction. I figured, why not start us off with something completely insane, and it can only go up. That's a good here. pick, right? Yeah, I, I don't know get... that it can. Have you I, seen yeah, old sci-fi? <laughs> like we can, things could get real, real questionable. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and I was, I was right at the edge of kind of what we determined to be classic TV, but this was old enough. So, uh, yeah, I, I figured that the rules. Uh, let's see. Next yeah. week, Audie is bringing us a show. What are, you, mm-hmm. what are you bringing us? What do you got for us? So I was trying to think. There was a couple I was batting around, and I kind of fell on one that I wanted to just to be able to talk about. Um, it's an old sci-fi show starring our good friend Jerry O'Connell, and not the one you're thinking uh, about. Oh. No. Oh, okay. We're going okay. back to see a show called My Secret Identity. So here's a question. Do we want season one, Jerry O'Connell, who's just about to hit puberty, just a couple years after uh, uh, Stand By Me, and he's still got a little chubby cheeks? Or do we want season two, three, Jerry O'Connell is like, oh, he hit that sprout. Good Lord. That's the Jerry <laughs> O'Connell I know. Well, I'd like some eye candy, so I'm going to vote season, <laughs> later seasons. Okay. Uh, oh, I'll try to figure out which episode. Um, oh. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. My Secret Identity. Very cool. That's a show I have not thought of in a long time, mm-hmm. and it's all over YouTube. So uh, okay. I'll figure out. I'll figure out an episode. Throw it up uh, on okay. the Twitter, or where, wherever you follow. It'll us be in the notes. Is, yeah. If you get it, it to will. me by tomorrow morning, if you come up you with it tomorrow sometime, I'll put it in the show notes. If not, look at the look at the X. What do we? Is it X or is no, it Twitter? We're we just going to call it, it Twitter. Yeah. Okay, we don't talk about it. You'll yeah. find That's us where Twitter. you find us. Is what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. Find, yeah, it's it's thing. Um, yeah. Or just come to the Discord. <laughs> just come yeah, to the, the Discord. Just go to Discord. Tudors.net so, slash Discord. We do have an email from last week. Did we read Phil Rude's email about Smurfs? Oh, well, we yes. did. Yes. yes. We did. We, did. we got it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it came in right at the end. Okay. Um, yeah. So no new emails this week. Uh, but if you want to email us, you can. At, uh, those I'm going to email the, about this episode. Let me tell those you. Those are the days show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's those with the days show at gmail.com. Send your, your emails there. You can direct your hate mail towards me. <laughs> I, I realize that I am I am put on probate. I'm not allowed to choose a show for three weeks. So Yes. yes. <laughs> Take that. I'm going to get uh-huh. Just wait. Um, I don't know how, but 
<laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, we are also on uh, the the Twitter as uh, those at those days show. Uh, so you can follow us there if you want to get updates on things as they come out. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this show comes out once a week, usually. Um, we we take yeah. occasional weeks off, but that's because we want to all be here for you. We don't want to mm-hmm. do the show yeah. part way. We need so the full power. Next week right. is is uh, is going to be a ton of fun with my secret identity. I can't wait because I I am yeah, pretty pumped. Yeah, uh, I love me some Jerry O'Connell. So it'll be fun. But until then, for Amy, for Stephen, for Audie, I'm Travis saying, what the hezmana did we just watch? <laughs>